Do you know the way? Oh, we were so close. Have fun editing that. <laughs>
play out their story in harmony with one another, but also in tension with one another um, as the characters' goals overlap and conflict throughout Mm -hmm. the story. Uh, The presentation is also kind of interesting in that it's split screen, so Vincent can be in one part of the prison and Leo can be in an entirely different part of the prison, but things are happening in real time that maybe affect both, such as like guard patrol patterns mm-hmm. um, or like prison fights. You might be seeing those things from different angles. Mm-hmm. And so each player has to respond in a way that makes sense for them, but also furthers the team's goal Yeah. Um, as an example. So it's pretty cool. It comes from a guy whose name is uh, Yosef Fares, who he's made a game, a couple of games, I think, but probably the only other published game that he's made that he's known for is a game called Brothers, A Tale of Two Sons, mm-hmm. um, which is, I think, also a heavily multiplayer-focused game, received pretty good critical acclaim, so did A Way Out. Um, wasn't his... Not like... Wasn't yeah. his background... Um, in movies, so he's he's done quite a few more movies than he did uh, before he started making video games. Yeah, he's done a few movies, um, not like a ton of movies. I think he's only directed like five movies. I say only, but yeah, he's directed five movies compared to the two games that he's produced. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so he's a multi-artistic fellow. Mm-hmm. Um, and his games seem to be pretty well received. I think that there's not too many games out there today that are being made with this sort of cooperative mindset uh, imbued throughout. Mm-hmm. This is one of the first of its kind that I personally had encountered. Um, mm-hmm. Pretty much every... every uh, Since it's published by EA, I don't know that I could call it an indie game, but... <laughs> Like it's, it's yeah. like a half indie game. Every every indie game to half indie game that comes out has to be played by yourself because sometimes that the audience is is like, I'm gonna enjoy this and soak it all in, and that's a lot of times a single player uh, mindset to have, you know. Yeah, Whereas exactly. this is trying to to hit a a group of people who haven't been hit before, which is people who are reasonably good friends mm-hmm. like maybe us who knows yeah unlike those losers who play games like inside oh yeah that are trying to be like art house indie deep experiences <laughs> 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 yeah a note on the whole like quote-unquote indie yeah style of the game it is kind of weird because you like you said it is published by ea mm-hmm. and they actually gave the guy close to $4 million and was just like, go nuts with this. Make the game that you want to make. Um, so it's kind of like a startup accelerated indie game. Yeah. It's weird. It's like not solely built from scratch. It's it's built using capital from established game publishing, mm-hmm. but maybe not by an established game publisher. Yeah. Um, I never know what to make of those types of agreements because it's all good and well for EA to say something like, go make whatever you want to make, but 
if it was terrible and cost them $4 million, I just don't feel like they're the kind of company that takes those gambles. Yeah. So I imagine there was some oversight involved, but I that's purely conjecture. Yeah, you're you're wondering if like so, there was a couple EA execs that that uh, <clears throat> were wandering around the studio every couple of days and like talking to people, making sure that things are going in the right direction, quote unquote. Yeah, I mean, I would doubt it would even be that hands on. Like, I'm sure in order to get the four million dollars, he had to give them a pitch of what the game was going to be and had to like basically do a corporate Kickstarter, right? Of Here's yeah. all the things that we want to do with it, and here's how much money we'll need, and blah, blah, blah. And then I imagine, like all boring business things are, there's probably some sort of quarterly checkpoint to say, like, here's what we've done so far. Here's your five-minute playable demo. What do you think? And, like, as long as the, the people at EA are reasonably happy, I'm sure that things went fine. Yeah. Um, that would be like my imagination of how this would have this kind mm-hmm. of deal would have developed where they're not coming in saying like you need to make this exact thing in the game but i bet if like if any of them started to smell the milk turning sour they would have thrown it all out mm. not even gotten to the release point which would have been a lot of that 4 million dollars in marketing yeah. and support and production right, and all exactly. that stuff. Exactly. <clears throat> yeah, if I was an EA exec, uh, one of the first things I would have said was, uh, why can't I play this on the Switch? Yeah, why can't we? <laughs> that's a that's a segue into what platforms is it for, Riley? Oh, I, um, is that what that segue was for? Well, 100%. Daniel... It's uh, the platforms listed on, uh, what is this, wikipedia.org. Never heard of it. It are Microsoft Windows, PlayStation 4, and Xbox One. Oh, man. In March of 2018. So it came out uh, just last year and was, was the talk of the town for, I think, like the two weeks, three weeks after it came out. Uh, it sold over a million copies in the first two weeks. Oh, so wow. whatever sort of influencer marketing EA did really worked. They probably had Pewds play it. Probably by himself with two controllers. <laughs> yeah. We'll talk a little bit about, uh, I have some notes actually on the whole uh, Let's Play thing, something that we already talked about um, while we were playing the game, but we'll get to that later on whenever we mm-hmm. dive into the more spoilery section. Mm-hmm. This is also, I think, a first for the show uh, in that we, we have done one episode where we were recording in the same space together. Yeah. I think that was uh, the Drunkard's Walk, episode four. But this was the first episode where we actually played the thing together in person. Yeah. Hopefully it doesn't ruin the whole episode because we know what each other thinks about it already. Oh, that's why I didn't say anything while we played it. <laughs> well, just to be clear, we said lots of things. <laughs> <laughs> we said we said a couple of things. Uh, yeah, um, I mean, it wasn't a, it wasn't a two hour episode's worth, but yeah, we said a lot of things. We got to collaborate on the experience, you know. Exactly. I'm relying on our memories not being so good. <laughs> yeah, 
It was really fun though. I I had a I had a pretty good time. It's too bad we didn't get to record together, but that's just, you know, just got to get the talent in the right area at the right time, you know. Sometimes it don't work out. Yep. Sometimes it takes more talent to record from Seattle. Hey, wait. <laughs> Good. I'm glad you enjoyed it. I had a lot of fun playing it in person with you as well, even though we couldn't record together. Yeah. After we played it together, the playing was the playing was really what I wanted us to do together. Mm-hmm. I felt like the online wouldn't have had quite the same impact. I mm-hmm. I feel that's one of the maybe the most non-spoilery things I can say about it without jumping into the story too much is that it was it was real good to like sit down with your friend and 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 go through the experience together. Mhm. There's a, a aside from like solving the puzzles together and like exploring the world together. There were a couple like key decision moments where we both like weren't even looking at the screen and we just like talked to each other for about five minutes about like what should we do? Mm-hmm. And like that I think would have been a very different experience if we were online. Yeah, that would have been a little weird. And just the during the gameplay itself. This is something that's a little interesting about the the difference between the characters in the game and the players playing the game. There's some information asymmetry going on here. Where, like, during a prison escape sequence, let's say, one of the characters might be on the other side of the prison from the other character. Um, And if, let's say, Leo is the one who's, like, hiding and needs to go from point A to point B but can't see the guards, Vincent might be able to be in a place where he's allowed to be and can, like, look through some glass to see, oh, the guard's looking at you, don't move. Yeah. Uh, and that's some information that the players share to get through the game, but that the characters couldn't possibly share unless yeah. they had like walkie talkies. Yeah. Um, but I felt that that whole experience of like us being together in person, trying to like undo this puzzle box was far less, um, Like, it, it rubbed me the wrong way less, I think, than if we had been doing it online. Mm, like, okay. literally walkie-talking one another through the experience. I feel like the fact that we were both there in person had, like, the right layer of removal from the game. Yeah. Rather than, like, if we were talking over VoIP, it would have felt like we were kind of still, quote-unquote, in the game, I think. Yeah, yeah. That's a good point, actually. And I think that it showed a little bit because there are failure points throughout the game, but for our particular run, how long do you think we went before we actually hit one of those? Like probably like six hours, seven hours. Yeah, we were we were in sync pretty well, and I know that the game isn't the hardest, but like I think that we we could have run into a lot more if we were like if we weren't in person. I feel like. Yeah, and I think the. I don't remember how many times we failed. I think it was only like once or twice. Yeah. Um, there was one section where we failed like three times in a row, but actually both of the times it wasn't because we weren't coordinated. It was because like it was unclear which button prompt you were supposed to be looking for. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah. So I actually, I just don't know how it would have gone as far as like, yeah, how many times we would have failed if we were not in person. All I'm saying is that like, I think it was a better experience to have played it in person Mm -hmm. and, and had like the physical reminder that yes, we are not in the game. Mm -hmm. Um, than if we had played it online. Yeah. Hmm. So it was, it was good, good team building exercise. Um, what are some other things that you can say about the game? Non-spoilery, uh, quality or. Yeah. Uh, like the game will probably take you about 12 hours to play through 10 to 12 hours total. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't remember it having. Did it have a difficulty selection? I didn't remember seeing one. Um, yeah, I think it was one of those like you just hop in, you're you're doing the thing now. Mm-hmm. Um, one thing I will say is I did not expect the game to go where it went. Hmm. Yes. Uh, the story is is pretty interesting, and uh, it also goes on longer than I thought it would. Uh, yeah. I think that we both expected for it to pretty exclusively about the prison and it's and it, and it the, the settings change. And I think that we also yeah. expected for it to be ending around the time when you would naturally think it does, but it does not. Right. Um yeah. And I think that those were both those were both good unexpected things to have happen. Yeah. I think so. I think, too, that this isn't spoilery, but the ending of this game being what it is, I think, is one of the reasons why it was more popular than it could have been. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think the ending is really one of the most innovative parts about the game. Yeah. Agreed. It felt like it was our story, just because they did, like, one tiny little thing. Um, mm-hmm. They... They really let you choose how you want things to go. Yeah. And that's not to say that there's like a million different ways the game can end, but it's more in the players working out together how they want the game to end Yeah, that makes it feel very like it could have ended any other way. Yeah. Which I think is pretty cool. Yeah. And then they, uh, and then they have an epilogue. Yeah, which is, uh, which is probably the most the most well put together cinematics of the bunch. Some of the ones in between were really, or most of the cinematics between gameplay segments were pretty good. But there were a couple uh-huh. that, like, I think, dropped the ball with some dialogue and some animation. But the ones at the very end, yeah. like, I think gave me the best impression like left me feeling with a good feeling at the end it was well put together <laughs> mm-hmm. i think so i think yeah the storytelling was pretty good the cinematics were largely very good um there are a couple of moments where like the character acting really works yeah like you can see the emotions on the characters faces as they're going through what they're going through and then there are some moments where it just like you're saying totally misses the mark <laughs> yeah yeah um but overall i thought it was pretty well produced 
Yeah. What did what did we land on? Did we kind of land on that Leo was pretty uh like realistic in his presentation as a character? That was his strong mm-hmm. suit. And then what did we say about Vincent? I feel like we had something good to say about Vincent's character. Just can't remember what it was. Excuse me. Yeah, I remember us talking that Leo felt more like a real guy. Yeah. And that Vincent felt more like an action movie superhero dude. Yeah. Who was like zinging out the one-liners and like always calm, cool, and collected. Yeah. And and I, I think actually that the the portrayal of Vincent made way more sense to me whenever we got to the end of the game. Like, it all of a sudden, like, crystallized in a moment and felt way more real. Yeah, okay, that's what it was. I think that we were talking about it whenever they were doing um, some of those, like, chit-chat sessions, but which were basically mm-hmm. loading screens. And we both were like, man, he's not quite feeling right. What's up with this? And then we find out why, and, yeah. and then we were like, oh, yeah, okay. Yeah. It's always satisfying to have a little bit of a hindsight, like, um, mm-hmm. switch over for something. Yeah. The, he was very consistent, which is a good thing, ultimately. It feels a little weird at first. Yeah. But by the end, it makes total sense. Yeah. So stick with stick with Vincent, everybody. Yeah. Or don't. You know, or give up. up to you. That's fine. That's fine. Um... Something else that is kind of interesting about this game is that there's a lot of, like, idle time in the game. Oh, yeah, yeah, good point. You would think that there's, like, a lot, like, it's a prison escape, right? So you should be, you know, always doing the prison escapey things, like tying up the sheets and crawling through the ducts and yeah. chiseling out the toilet, etc. Um but there's actually like lots of weird time where you can just be in the space and like for example in the prison there's a shop room mm-hmm. like a wood shop and you can just pick up a hammer and and hammer a nail into a board yeah and the nail goes into the board and then you could just keep hammering it if you want like you could just sit there all day long hammering this nail down into the board or like sawing a piece of wood in half like, yeah Another thing that kind of goes along with that is the fact that you can talk to a lot of people. Mm-hmm. And occasionally they're for actual gameplay purposes, but I think a lot of them are more like these quiet moments like you're describing where you can just kind of like actually live and exist in the world, which was cool. Yeah, which is interesting. Because you can like go and... There's also... Oh, go ahead. I was going to say there's also like lots of little mini games Yeah. out in the world and they keep track of like what Leo's score versus Vincent's score is and like what their high score is um which is just kind of funny yeah um we'll we'll get to I think uh some of our deeper feelings about those games in the spoiler section but I think first I can say that it did help to like build up the character's relationship believably definitely definitely whenever they're whether it's the idle stuff, talking to people, or especially when they're playing the games together, it's like, oh, they're actually like hanging out. It's not just like these two random characters who just met at the beginning and then twelve hours later the story ends. Like it felt right. felt like they were actually like becoming friends. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, it was it was definitely believable. Just through like the the ways that you interact with your buddy. Yeah. Throughout the game. Um and then I think for me the only other really notable thing that's non-spoilery is for the first like I think 2 hours or 3 hours of the game, we actually didn't know what time period the game was set in. Yeah. Yeah. Which was really bizarre. Um, there's like this moment about three or four hours in where you get like a piece of information that's dropped on you that solidly places the game in a time zone, like a, a an era of time. Yeah. And it's just like before then, it's kind of unplaceable. It's really interesting. Yeah. I don't know exactly if that was intentional or not, or if it was just like a coincidence of like, today's fashion and like society Mm -hmm. and architecture and (laughs) or what it's like to be in prison yeah maybe just not changing yeah i don't know if they intended for it to look just like shawshank (laughs) yeah (laughs) but that also i felt like because that's pretty timeless although you can kind of tell where that is but it it just kind of reminded me of it a little bit they really did um in a lot of ways, yeah. Yeah. Just no Morgan Freeman. Sadly. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I feel like a lot of the things I want to talk about involve talking about the game that happens. Yep. Yep. Ooh, so... I'm right there with you. Man, just playing all these narrative games... I know. The yeah, I don't think there's much else to say about the meta qualities of the game. It was pretty well put together, not stunning, mm. not atrocious. The music was fine. I think it was mostly just like mood setting, wasn't very Yeah. It didn't draw much attention to itself, like wasn't the best score I've ever heard. Yeah, I think it was just ambient. Um yeah, overall pretty pretty solid experience. Play it. If you're going to play it, do it in person with your friend if you can. Or risk it with a fa- with a person you haven't met before. Just invite them into your home. Yeah, exactly. Sit them down on the couch and say, this is what we're doing, bud. And put them through the emotional trauma of being in a prison. Yeah. And by the end of that, you'll be friends. <laughs> Or will you? Yeah, wait until we talk about the spoiler section. <laughs> <laughs> or will you? Me and Daniel aren't friends anymore because of this game. That's why he went back to Seattle. He was like, F- done with this. Yep, that's that's why we're ending the show. I mean... Uh, oh. Ending this section. Yeah. I'm going to go take a bit of a break before our non-sponsors. Wow. This episode of Res is brought to you by Vincent Moretti's memoir titled The Hunt for Harvey, How I Got More Than I Bargained For. Vincent's gripping retelling of this century's greatest manhunt is an instant classic. More than a biography, The Hunt for Harvey takes you back to the 1970s, where crime ruled the streets and coastal villas of the free world. Follow along as Vincent recounts his true story about love, hate, friendship, grief, 
and the search that turns up more than just diamonds. Vincent is self-publishing, so use code RES at checkout on his website to get 10% off your paperback, hardback, or digital copy. That's R-E-S at checkout. Thanks to The Hunt for Harvey for supporting the show. We'd also like to thank our friends over at WordVPN for sponsoring this episode of Res. WordVPN is the only safe browsing solution out there if you're on the internet. Are you tired of the United States government spying on every single website you go to, no matter if you're their citizen or not? Don't worry, WordVPN has you covered. Unlike traditional VPNs that are trackable if you look closely enough at the stream of bytes flowing through the internet, WordVPN uses all new technology, VoIP. Simply pick up the WordVPN receiver that we'll mail to you and hop on the line with one of our qualified associates. Talk them through exactly what you like to do online and they'll do it for you. They'll Google anything you ask, pull up any video you'd like to watch, and relay that information back to you through the only safe communication channel, Spoken Word. Thanks to our friends over at WordVPN for sponsoring this episode of Res, and use our code at checkout to receive 10% off your WordVPN receiver. Our code is Res. Thanks again to WordVPN. We're back. Um, we're going to talk a little bit about what goes on in this game? Spoiler territory. Yeah. Daniel, tell me all about the things we did in the game. Okay. Um, I'm going to first say that this is assuming that we made the decisions that we made and that they don't significantly change the outcome. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know if you know that if they do or not or if anybody listening does, but... They don't. A lot, okay. a lot of times they just like either swap the roles of the two characters or the situation gets resolved in a way that feels different. Okay, okay. Um, so, setting. Some prison. Leo stands in the courtyard with all the other prisoners looking down at the entrance gate as a new... Uh, fresh meat arrives on the prison cars. Out steps Vincent, his life in shambles. He's been sentenced to 14 years in prison for the murder of his brother. Leo is only there for eight. Or will be there for eight. Um, after kind of getting acclimated to the controls by either playing as Leo or Vincent, Leo walking around just talking to people in the yard, and Vincent walking in and getting processed. Um, we'll talk about that at a, oh. a later date. Yeah, in a shower scene that has dong. It does have dong. <laughs> Way Which too is, much dong. <laughs> you are both kind of introduced to the prison antagonist who is like this, this big burly henchman dude who works for this bad guy named Harvey. We'll get to him in a sec, but both your characters know him and despise him. Harvey. Harvey. Yeah. Yeah. Um, after fighting his goon for a bit and getting 
introduced to each other through that. Um, you both kind of realize that you know who Harvey is and that he's both wrong and he's wronged both of you. So you decide that you're going to escape the prison together. And these are characters that didn't know each other before they went to prison together. Yeah. Yeah. Well, went to the same prison. Yep. Precisely. Um, and so you both hatch a plan. Step one of the plan involves, um, I think it was the ch- the chisel, right? Yep. yep. Yeah. Um, I think it was Leo who finds a chisel in the work. No, not in the workshop. In the workshop? Crap, um, where was the chisel from? No, I thought in the workshop you got the hammer. Hammer. The chisel yeah, the was hammer. from uh, some guy on the rooftop. Oh, no, no, wait, wait, wait. After the, after the fight with the goon, we went to the hospital oh, way. yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, <clears throat> right. And that's where we did our first, like, real uh, cooperative experience. Mm-hmm. And Vincent helps Leo get the chisel from a, lo- from a worker who's just kind of milling about. And they're going to use that to cut their way out the back of their cell and into, like, the maintenance shafts. Yep. <clears throat> And from there, they start making their way through the underbelly, and they find that there's a big, um, long shaft they have to fall down. So they got to go back and get some linens. So there's a little segment where you get some linens from the laundry. Then they make a little like rope, and they climb down, and they go a little bit further. And then they find that they need a uh, screwdriver. A s- screwdriver. Or a wrench. Yeah. Maybe it's a wrench. Yeah, Some kind of tool. Wrench. Something that turns things. <laughs> yeah. And then you go back and then you go into like a shop and get that from a dude um, through a little bit of puzzle solving. And then after that, you're finally kind of out and about in the middle of the night. And through some shenanigans, you both make it out of the prison, but you're on the run. Like there are dudes right out your heels on the run yep the guards like see you at the very last moment while you're escaping and they're like oh yeah. no after some high stakes bridge crossings and some altercations with the search parties you get away um for the moment and you get to spend a little bit of time to get to know each other at, at like an abandoned campsite uh, do some fishing, talk about your feelings, and then you see a helicopter whiz by, and you go, and you go, we got to keep going. So, yeah, I, f- I think that's the first time they tried to discuss like what they both have against Harvey. Yeah, yeah, um, and that's when I think uh, I don't, I don't think I don't know exactly how much detail they go into, but. We find out that Harvey set up, um, set up uh, Vincent for the murder of his brother, yeah. and and I think that it was just vague betrayal for Leo. So he betrayed Leo. Yeah, they used to be partners. <clears throat> After that segment, 
Um, you wander onto a farm, which is awesome. The farm is great. It belongs to this old couple, and in our playthrough, we decided to just get the old couple to go away by um, freeing their horses. And then we get the farm all to ourselves to kind of like get into non-prison clothes, steal their their truck they have. Play some Banjo Hero. Yeah, Banjo Hero. Banjo Hero's great. Um, and then as we're going away from the farm, they get a tip on where we are, and the police are doing a chase, making a making a shoot, making a boom boom. And uh, we managed to escape, but only after crashing our ship. And then we get to a boat segment. We our like, car. Oh, excuse me. Yeah, sorry. Yeah. Crashing our car. Then we get into a little boat on a river. Yep. And that was cool, too. That was cool. Um, we had to steer together. Yeah. Just yeah, team lots building. Of, lots of team building. And then after a uh, uh, near-death experience, when the river ends in a waterfall, imagine that. <laughs> um, we get out. Oh, what happens after that? How do we get away from there? I can't remember. Hmm. What happened after that? Was that where we ended our first play session? Possibly. Which is why it's hard to remember. <laughs> yeah. Um, I feel like after that point is when we went to go meet Leo's son and wife. Yeah, yeah. So that's cool. Um, and we find them, and she's super supportive, but is like, your son's kind of been missing you, Leo. Can you go, like, talk to him? And this whole time, Vincent, like, meets, excuse me, meets Leo's wife, and and whenever he swaps places with, uh, or whenever she swaps places with Leo's son to have a chat with Leo, he also plays, like, ball with, with Leo's kid. It's cute. It's like, Oh, you're actually getting to meet them and like find out what they're like. Um, mm-hmm. And she's she's just like Leo. She's been kind of uh, not an outcast, but like a um, delinquent person her mm-hmm. whole life. And that's why they fell in love because they both were like nonconformists and stuff. So they live in a trailer. Um, yeah. Just kind of go from place to place, running from their enemies and from the state and all that stuff. And and they like their life, so they're perfect. Um, and I think this is also about when you learn about what actually happened between Leo and Harvey. Ah, yes, yes. That's when you find out that Leo and Harvey were trying to do a... a um, exchange... Like an under, like a black market exchange of a very, very uh, expensive and important diamond called the Black Orlov, which is real, by the way. I didn't know that until after I looked it up. Oh, cool. Yeah. Um, and at, during the exchange, Harvey goes and kills the person that's, that they're doing the exchange with after they get the money. 
and drives off, leaving Leo there to take all the blame for the murder, which is super not good. Um, not good. And that's what landed him in jail at the beginning of the story. This is also the point when the duo find out where Harvey's second, no, not necessarily second in command, I guess just one of his lieutenants is... Vincent, uh, or not Vincent, sorry, Leo knows where this guy, who this guy is. Yeah, yeah. And where to find him, roughly. And they want that because they want revenge against Harvey, and so they want for him to tell him where he is. Yep. Yeah. Turns out he's on, like, this uh, construction site. He's the asshole foreman that everybody hates. Um, So there's a little bit of puzzle, like, figuring out where he is and chasing him around. And thankfully, I was kind of scared while we were playing this. We were going to chuck him off the side and and have, like, this grisly scene for them to deal with. But you actually just Mm -hmm. tie him up and kind of torture him and figure out what's going on. Not in like a super duper bad way, torture. It's mm-hmm. not too graphic or anything. Um, and he, he spills the beans. Harvey's villa mansion thing is in Mexico. So, cool. Mexico's big. We'll figure it out. Um, <laughs> yep. <laughs> and then after this we decide that, hey, we're going to need to get a flight to Mexico. We're going to need money. So then you rob a, a gas station, which is a cool segment. I thought that was cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because um, there there's a lot of things that you that you should do to prepare beforehand to make sure it doesn't go south. Mm-hmm. And that, I think, was our first failure point. Yeah. But that wasn't, I think, because we messed up. It was because uh, there's a point where you take... Where Leo, in our case, got taken hostage by one of the people in the gas station. And I was trying to shoot near the guy who was holding Leo. I was playing as Vincent. And so I tried to shoot like close to him to get him yeah. to freak out and maybe drop Leo. Uh, yeah. But what it turns out you have to actually do is walk up to the guy and like punch him in the face, basically. Which I don't think we would have ever guessed. Yeah, it took a couple if I had, tries. Like, accidentally run ran too close to him, but yeah, yeah. But we get some of the money, and we go to do a arms deal, kind of in the middle of a field. And this is where mm-hmm. the game drops uh, shooting mechanics on you. Up yep. until this point, it was just walking around, pressing X or Y, and running occasionally. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so. Um, that was interesting. We'll talk about that in a bit. Um, and this person that you buy the guns from then tips Harvey off as to what your plans are. Mm-hmm. And he sends a big bad boy assassin after you. And so while you're getting ready to arrange the the airplane to take you to Mexico, the assassin comes after you. And then you've got this a new chase going on where he's like chasing you through this theater... Mm-hmm. And there's a struggle and you kill him and it's like whoa things got real we just killed a dude yeah but it's also like if we don't go get harvey this is just gonna keep happening yep we're gonna have a target on our back forever um 
And we also learn at this point that Vincent's wife is in the hospital in labor. Yeah. And then he's like, oh, man, I got to go. Do I got to go get her, uh, see her. And then Leo's like, man, I get it. You know, I get it. And so next little segment is in the hospital. And you get Vincent to his wife and you kind of find there's a little bit of tension there. Um, they're not necessarily like super duper mega strong. She's really stressed out about having the kid and him being in prison and stuff. Um, and, but it's still like, it's a cool moment. Mm -hmm. Then after that, uh, the police show up because you're not hiding very well. (laughs) And and then there's, there's a, a really nifty sequence where you got to do like a bunch of puzzles really fast, basically like a bunch Mm -hmm. of like running sequences to get away from them and it'll flip back and forth between Vincent and Leo as they like make their way out of the hospital. Yeah. And so we very- are like taking turns almost doing a single player segments rather yeah. than like the constant split screen that we've had basically up until this point. Yeah. And at the very end, Vincent saves Leo and they they buzz off and there's apparently no other police to go after you so you're free (laughs) yep and then we take off for mexico and uh we you get to pick whether or not you skydive into mexico or you land safely and we chose to skydive which i think Mm -hmm. is the right choice yep because leo's been afraid of heights the whole game and so he gets like it's this funny thing where he gets kicked out of the airplane. And I was like, ah, funny gag, funny gag. Um, and Leo's like freaking out, but then he like starts to stabilize. And then his, his, um, then his parachute backpack thing falls off and he starts freaking out. It was so, it was so funny. And it's like, Oh my God. God." It was pretty, pretty tense. Cause we're like falling out of the sky and Vincent has to like come in and, and grab him. Yeah. And that's actually a player initiated thing too. Mm-hmm. Like I playing as Leo was just like only able to flail around. Whereas you got to like actually like steer and like try to make sure that you save me. It's pretty mm-hmm. cool. And the moment when like Vincent gets close enough to Leo, he like completely latches on. It was pretty funny. Yeah. <laughs> um, and like did a lot to heighten the humor that was in the scene. And then I think, even after that, Vincent makes a couple jokes about how he's just going to drop Leo if he doesn't start behaving <laughs> as they're, like, gliding down to Earth. And he's like, Leo's having none of it. Yeah. Although he's got extremely strong glutes, because yeah. stopping when the parachute gets pulled must have been, like, <clears throat> the most powerful strain you could put on your buttocks of all they time. They fully, fully engaged. <laughs> So you land after a little bit of stealth and then gunfighting, you make it to Harvey's mansion and you're like fighting your way through it. And he's got like a grenade launcher and you're like, dude, that's a lot of firepower. Also, where are you keeping all the rounds? And so you fight him, you shoot him some. And at the very end, he's like bloodied up and in his like evil lair. And you're like, it's over Harvey. And then he's like, <laughs> it's not over. And then you're like, where's the diamond? And he's like, 
I'm not telling you. And then you're like, where's the diamond? And he's like, okay. It's in this safe. Let me open it for you. And then you like, um, I think we had, uh, I think we had um, Vincent go like, like take it from him while Mm -hmm. Harvey was over by the safe. And then we find out that Harvey had a gun in the safe and he takes Vincent hostage and then Whoa. Leo's like, holy sh! And then, um, and then, uh, whoa. Oh, yeah. There's like this, even this is kind of like a little puzzle because you can't just try to shoot Harvey or else you'll kill Vincent or Vincent will get killed. Mm-hmm. Vincent has to actually like shimmy his way over to this like art installation in that room. And then bust it as a distraction, and then you can shoot Harvey. And then you guys shoot Harvey a lot. A lot. This is <laughs> a like, lot. Like the death of Scarface. He's like yeah. up against the balcony, and you just boom, 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 boom. Your guns that had only like six round clips a moment ago are suddenly like infinite rounds. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> and then and he, he like flies off the balcony into the pool and dies. Yeah. And then that's the end of the game, right? That's what you would expect, <laughs> but wrong. So after this, uh, Vincent and Leo make their escape from the compound. And as you're playing, you're like, okay, I guess they can escape. That makes sense. And you like, yeah. you like uh, Indiana Jones style, like hop onto the plane as it's taking off and like guns shooting after you. And you're like, woo, that's cool. Uh, we and- made a way out. We made a way out, and the credits should roll, but it doesn't. And I think, sorry to preempt you, but one of the reasons why it feels so natural, like this could be the ending, is throughout the game up until this point, the the gameplay narrative is interspersed with these scenes of Leo and Harvey flying on a cargo plane in bulletproof huh. vests, like chatting about the game Games. as you're playing it, as though it has happened in the past tense. And so it feels yeah. like, okay, when we're getting on this airplane now, this is where all of those scenes fit into place. Like, we're now we yeah. are commiserating over the adventure that we just had together. And this feels like a nice way to wrap the game up. Yeah. But... But it isn't. Correct. Um, after the plane makes it back to the U.S., you find that your airstrip is occupied by police and you're completely surrounded. And both Leo and Vincent walk out and got their hands up and there's a a, a, a burly police mustached looking man who's there and he's he's looking very angry and he walks up and he gives Vincent a gun and he says, great job. And then Vincent turns to Leo and says, you're under arrest. And then you're uh, like, the game was supposed to be over. <laughs> uh, and every that's the that's the flip around. Um, yeah. There's some flashbacks and stuff, I think, that, that kind of say what's going on here. Vincent has been a police officer this entire time. And FBI. Yeah. Law enforcement. He's not just like a regular police officer. He's part of the FBI. Um, and he was actually the case manager 
for the Black Orlov exchange. And on top of that, his cover story wasn't completely incorrect because his brother was the undercover cop who was doing the exchange that Harvey murders and blames Leo for, or not blames Leo for, but like incriminates Leo for. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's, that's kind of an interesting tie in that everybody has. Um, but it really goes to explain how confident Vincent's been this entire game and how like he was actually able to do things because up until this point you thought he was just a banker who got caught in some stuff but he's that's his cover story yeah so the whole time you're like why is a banker so good at knowing the layout of this prison yeah exactly (laughs) why is a banker able to easily handle an m16 yeah um so after some flashbacks you go back to the tarmac and leo takes vincent hostage through some kind of just bullshit. <laughs> he gets a gun. I don't yep. know. Yep. It doesn't make any sense, but the story goes, and so we go. And uh, then he gets in a police car and, and drives away, and they're like yelling at each other, and it's actually really intense. Like, mm-hmm. I thought I could trust you. You're a dirty pig. How could I have ever, like, how could I have ever yeah. listened to you? And then Vincent's like, Leo, you did good. I can try to get you a. I can try to cut you a deal. We were in this together. We're still partners and mm-hmm. that kind of thing. Um, yeah. I think they they crash, and uh, oh, and then Leo tries to get away by boat, which is mm-hmm. kind of you know still still gameplay going on here. So he's like piloting a boat, and this is the first time that like you're really against each other because Vincent yeah. then gets in a helicopter with an assault rifle and starts pop, like trying to pop you trying to like destroy your, your boat while you're getting away or while Leo's getting away. Yeah. Uh, and ultimately um, you do destroy the boat and I crash or Leo crashes. I keep saying me. Sorry. I know we, we've <laughs> identified with the characters a little bit. Leo uh, gets away and he like, um, I can't remember exactly what flipped it from Leo running away to Leo running after Vincent. Um, he like runs into this compound that's on one of the docks. Yeah. And Vincent chases in after him. Mm, okay. On foot. And so they're both on foot. They're both like decked out with guns and bulletproof vests. Yeah. And then they slug it out. Yeah. And then you you find yourself kind of gameplay-wise locked into this warehouse. But then you realize that at the bottom of the screen, two health bars pop up. And you're like, oh, shit. What's about yeah. to happen? What do we have to do? And this is where we both were trying to find a way to make it out peacefully, but there's not. The game kind of pushes you to fight each other. And while you're fighting each other... You're taking health away, and you're, like, throwing things at each other, like, I loved you, Anakin. You were like a brother to me. Like, that kind of thing. Right. Right. I have the high ground. (laughs) And, like, you're fighting your way to the roof. And up here, you're both weakened. You're, like, beating the crap out of each other. And then you both see that in your melee, 
one of your assault rifles fell away, and you're both conveniently about the same distance away from it. And so you both got to crawl to it, and whoever makes it, well, they survive. In our case, I was very badly damaged, and you had the will to survive, and you killed me. Yep. Vincent Vincent shot first. Yeah. It was it, it was it was well done death. We felt like it was built up well and at the end as Leo lays bleeding out, Vincent takes his hand in friendship. And then as he dies, his screen fades to black and you're just left with Vincent. And then we begin the epilogue. Mm-hmm. Vincent goes to visit Leo's wife and tell her what he's done and to tell her that he's that Leo's gone she gets very angry but doesn't kill him so he leaves very emotional moment his kid finds out it's terrible <clears throat> and then he goes to visit his wife Vincent's wife um, and they kind of, well, he kind of apologizes, says he's quit the bureau and he's ready to be a father. And they get back together. Game ends. Uh, yeah, I know. <laughs> so it was like so much of the game. Yeah, we're doing it. Teamwork makes the dream work. Let's go, buddy. Yeah. And then at the last minute, the 11th hour, like, wait, what? Yeah. Yeah. I felt like we have been trained by other games to just expect for the, for the, like, Seinfeld baseline to go as the credits roll at the very end. They were like, hey, yeah, that was fun. We, we learned how to play together, how to be a team. Yeah. But then, in this game, instead we got Dong. We got Dong. <laughs> Something you can do online now, guys. <laughs> no, sorry, wrong show. Um, shout out to Vsauce, man. Shout out to Vsauce. Shout out to Michael, Jake, and Kevin over at Vsauce. Yeah. Shout out. <laughs> Anyway, this is where I think uh, something that I talked about earlier comes back into play, which is information asymmetry. Yep. And this is what makes almost all good dramatic tension work Yeah. in storytelling, is when information asymmetry exists between some of the parties in the story, and the viewer is also a party in the story. Yeah. So, for example... We talked earlier about how you and I, living outside of this story world, are able to freely communicate with one another in a way that makes cooperation in the story world almost supernatural. Yeah. Um, and lends the prison escape sort of this air of like, well, they're doing these things so well choreographed, they must have gone over like yeah. guard patterns and timings and things. But the information asymmetry between the characters in the game and us lends it some sort of credibility here. Yeah. This is an example where the game knows more than we do 
And Vincent specifically knows much more than we do for the majority of the game yeah. about what he is trying to accomplish. <clears throat> um, and so when that is is sprung on us, it causes this huge dramatic revelation. Yeah. Yeah, and it, and it it felt like because they did some of the some of the work early on to have us take for granted the skills that were being presented, then they do the reveal and it makes sense. Yeah. So Exactly. Vincent as an FBI agent makes complete sense in hindsight. Yeah. Yeah, I think the most unrealistic part about it is just, like, what the mission ledger itself is. Yeah. Of, like, the best way for us to find out where Harvey is and capture him from an international intelligence standpoint is for me to go undercover in a prison and help a wanted fugitive escape prison (laughs) and then also help him go track the guy down and kill him and steal the diamond back. Like, okay, (laughs) that is definitely storytelling material. Yeah. But all the little things along the way, like, we accepted that was the premise of the story. Yeah. Um, So all these little things along the way start to make sense. Yeah. And more than just a semantic sense-making, I think the really important thing that happened in that moment was there was a real emotional crystallization around what Vincent had just done. Yeah. Um. You talked a moment ago about how, like, you keep saying I did this instead of Leo did this. Yeah. And earlier in the show, I slipped up saying I did something when Vincent did it. Um, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I think in that moment, as Leo, you feel so betrayed. Yeah. And as Vincent, this was the really weird part since I had played as Vincent the whole game and I didn't know this was coming. I felt awful that I was betraying you. Yeah. Yeah. Which I think really works for the character. Yeah. Because um, e- ever since his brother got murdered, I mean, he's I feel like he's just been, like, dragged through. And he's like, just put me on this mission. I got to end it for myself. This has got to be the mm-hmm. last thing. No loose, no loose strings. No loose ends. No loose, loose ends. ends. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but, like, I think in... In the process, you see how Vincent becomes friends with Leo to the point where he even like takes his takes Leo's advice about how to fix his failing marriage. Yeah, yeah, that was cool. And like, he's so reluctant the whole time. Like, what is this dude's problem? Like, they've done so much together. He's being so short with Leo, and then like, in the last minute, he finally like lets him in. And tells him that his marriage isn't working out. And Vincent... Or then Leo's like suggests some stuff that Vincent actually takes his advice on. And it presumably works. Mm-hmm. Um, so I really think like... He was able to see past all of the stuff that he... Had in his way. You know, trying to avenge the death of his brother. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> to finally be able to look at Leo as a friend. Yeah. And actually that sequence where, where Leo suggests that he write a letter to his wife talking about all the things he did wrong, um, mm-hmm. it's actually 
I think we called it out. It's the best dialogue, at least from Leo the whole time. Yeah. Like the most realistic. It was realistic. He was like, yeah. he was like, oh, I, I don't know, man. I, I mean, once whenever I got into a thing with my wife, I mean, I, I tried writing a letter and uh, it, it helped me get my ideas out there, but also showed that I cared. And I, I don't know. It might not work for you, but it worked for me. Like it was that kind of thing. And it was, mm-hmm. I, I really liked it. And then the letter comes back in the epilogues, no matter what ends up happening, which is cool. Um, yeah. In our in our game, Vincent brought the letter to his wife, and it, it's it showed that he had changed some things, um, but not like it wasn't like an immediate cure all. She was still like, "We think we can make it work," and then the game ends and their life goes on. Yeah. We ended up watching the Leo ending, which was cool. Um, and he still brings the letter to his wife or to Vincent's wife. To Vincent's wife, yeah. Which was kind of cool. Um, and she gets she gets a bit teary and everything. Um, and I thought that I thought that that was a nice way to um, bring it all together, no matter what ending you have. Yeah. Now, I know we talked about this a little bit while we were playing, but I, I want to see if maybe if your mind has changed over the last couple of days or not. Who do you think should have lived oh, at yeah. the end of a way out? <laughs> I think that we were both in a little bit of a little bit of shock at the end there, where we were both. I think that we were both like dreading that maybe one of us would die, but for completely different reasons. And mm-hmm. so we were both like going, well this character should live because he's got this going on in his life, even though it would really suck for the other one to die. Uh, and we were like, mm-hmm. we were just like trying to rationalize it all. Um, I, I think it was more tragic that Leo died. Mm-hmm. I still think that your calls about um, his, son and wife having more stake in it were correct. Although in the epilogue, we did get to see some of the healing start, I think, very subtly in that they went to go visit Leo's grave and at mm-hmm. least they weren't they weren't distraught anymore. They had this this air about them that they were going to continue living on and continue growing. Um so it wasn't as bad as maybe we would have thought, but mm-hmm. dying would have definitely been better for the more people. Yeah. Well, and I think we said this just like we were speculating, like you were saying, because we thought, okay, there's got to be some dramatic tension at the end of the story. So maybe like one of them will have to choose to sacrifice yeah. themselves in order to kill Harvey. Is what we were kind of like playing around with. Um, we never thought it would be us having to decide amongst ourselves who's going to yeah. die. Uh, and I think we even spent like a good five or seven minutes trying to figure out if there was a yeah. way to just like leave the conflict or like physically talk to one another in the game to smooth things yeah. over. Um, and the game just gave us no choice. Um but yeah, I think from a 
I don't even know like the right perspective to call this. From one point of view, it's better for Vincent to die because like him and his wife are already estranged. Mm-hmm. His child's a newborn baby, so they're not going to experience loss in the same way that like a nine or ten year old would knowing that their dad died. Yeah. And like Leo had, while not like a typical family life, at least a loving, healthy relationship with his wife and his son. Yeah. Um, so from that point of view, like it seems to give better closure that Vincent dies on the other hand, though, Mm -hmm. Leo is a criminal. (laughs) Yeah. And he does want to kill people many times throughout the game. Yeah. Um, and, and not like quote unquote bad guys, not like Harvey's men. We're talking like rather than guide the old couple away from the house he wants to like kill them Mm. yeah that's that's uh or like beat them up at least knock them out really rough them up like he wants to approach things violently when you're robbing the gas station he's like let's just go in and shoot them and get the money or or go in and beat them up and like you know he's definitely a lot more violent I didn't necessarily interpret his violence as being like murderous, but it's easy for it to have turned murderous with his lack of uh, restraint in a lot of those situations. Sure. Yeah. I just, I got the, the impression from him that he didn't have much of a problem with using violence all the way up to killing someone as a means to accomplishing his goals. Yeah. Um, and the game kind of leaves it open-ended, you know, if he lives what he goes on to do with his life. Yeah. Whether he goes back to crime or whether he tries to clean himself <clears throat> up. Um, but I do think, like, from a like a moral value standpoint, Vincent was totally the hero for the job. Yeah, absolutely. In a lot of ways. He did, he did his uh, service to society there, whereas Leo was a delinquent. So, from that angle, it feels better that Vincent lives, but no less tragic in either case. Yeah. When we watched uh, the Leo ending separately, I still felt like, oh, man, this sucks. This sucks so much. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because <laughs> I liked both the characters a lot. <clears throat> yep. Um, and even though I, I felt like I was identifying with Leo because I was playing with him for 12 hours, I still like, I think it shows that the fact, because the fact that we were trying to save both of them, that we were like, no, let's both make it out of this. Mm -hmm. Um, but it was not to be during that last segment when we were crawling towards the gun, mm-hmm. had we decided who was going to live and who was going to die? Or were we fighting for our characters there? That's a good question. Um, I think it starts even before that, right? Like whenever we started shooting at one another. Yeah, yeah. I wasn't sandbagging. Were you? 
I don't think so. I don't think I was holding any punches. So then we really did just slug it out. Yeah. Okay, good, good. I And I know that it didn't look like you were sandbagging because you kicked my butt, but <laughs> I think that I had I had about like a quarter of my health left and you had half of your health left by the end of it. Um, but I felt like it was kind of still a confusing experience because we were both like running around on the rooftop and like in this environment that was totally new, but like also trying to like find ways to both survive. And then at the very end, I feel, I felt like was the clearest time when we were both like, no, my character's going to make it. Yeah. (laughs) And then, yeah, you had more, they make you mash. Yeah. Like you have to tap X to move towards the gun. And we were both like, I think actually yelling at each other at that point. (laughs) No, screw you. I'm going to get, I'm going to get this gun. Yeah. I think that was a great design decision too. Like, because yeah. it gave you some time to really like come to terms with what you were gonna have to do, and at the very end, it was uh-huh. literally just like, "fucking smash that like button," <laughs> yeah, and then fight. Whoever makes it makes it. Yeah. 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 This is the weird thing about conflict. Yeah. Is it's so cathartic. Mm-hmm in so many ways but also carries with it like these these emotions even just a little bit in this game of grieving like man you know it sucks that leo had to die but we actually really competed to survive like yeah. we both competed hard yeah and like i lived vincent lived and leo died and <laughs> It feels, for some reason, better that neither of us were sandbagging. Yeah. It feels like we were both committing. It was more noble, you know? Uh-huh. Like, gladiators fighting to the death or something. Yeah. I actually had on here that um, <clears throat> it was a completely different way of uh, experiencing conflict than i think we're used to um Uh i don't know if you feel the same way but both of us and even our larger friend group i feel like a lot of times we'll shy away from direct competition sometimes because we know that it's as simple as one person's just way better at everybody else at this thing but I also feel like sometimes it's because like we don't necessarily want to bring that negativity to our friendship. But I felt like this was a setting where it was all part of the story. Mm-hmm. And it felt really freeing to be like, I've got reason to live. Yeah. And then in hindsight, but he also had reason to live. Yeah. So I felt like that was a really neat part of this experience that I enjoyed. Maybe not in the moment, because it was very stressful, Mm -hmm. but definitely in hindsight, I was like, top dollar. That was some great, like, real conflict Uh in a a video game story. Yeah. Let me me spitball for a second about that, and you can 
cut me off if you think at any point I'm getting a little too esoteric. But yeah, I think like you mentioned with, with our friend group specifically and our avoidance of conflict, a lot of us don't have hobbies in common that are non-gaming. Yeah. So a lot of the things that we do together are play video games or board games or card games or tabletop games. Mm-hmm. And there's sort of a layer of uh, indirection in those medium yeah. mediums between your perceived skill, so how good you think you are, mm-hmm. versus your actual skill, how well you play the thing or do the thing. Yeah. And I think a lot of times it's very easy... And this isn't true just of our friends, I think, but it's true of a lot of people who play video games and true people in general for you to overestimate your own skill at something. Yeah. Your perceived skill is much higher than your actual skill. And I think that when you are shown what your actual skill is Mm -hmm. by playing the game in a competitive setting... Mm -hmm you are forced to do one of two things. Um, you're forced to realize that your perceived skill is much higher than your actual skill and and take the hint that you're probably worse at this thing than you thought you were. <laughs> or yeah. you can try to blame this layer of indirection and say it's the game's fault. Yeah, It's the system's fault. It's my ping... It's, you know, if only I had moved my mouse a little bit faster or, like, I've done that shot a thousand times. How could I have missed it then? Yeah. Um, These types of thoughts, it's very easy to blame those and to even maybe do a little bit of a mix of those things to think, like, oh, I'm so bad, but, you know, I'm playing badly because my controller is off or whatever. Yeah. And whenever you... do this it it can be either toxic to yourself Mm -hmm. or toxic to the people you're playing against Mm -hmm. and so i think we tend to not play a lot of competitive games against one another Mm -hmm. Uh, and not just you and me i mean like our, our group of friends who play games yeah solely because it's very easy to slip into this place of toxicity that you either direct at somebody else or that you harbor against yourself. Yeah. And in both cases, those are bad for all parties involved. Yeah. It's much harder to have healthy competition mm-hmm. in that space. Now, this is where I get a little spitbally <laughs> in that I think if our friend group had a sport that we all played together, yeah, we would not have that problem in the sport, in the physical sport. Interesting. Okay. Um. And the reason why I think this is there is no layer of indirection or very few layers of indirection between your perceived ability Mm -hmm. and your actual ability while you are playing a sport. Mm. If you're playing basketball, it's going to be very apparently obvious to you if you're good or bad at basketball, if you have any sort of like self-awareness. And so when you're playing against other people, in a physical real life sport. Yeah. It's that same sort of like 
self-identification of I want to win, mm-hmm. but I know how good my opponent is as well as how good I am at this. So if Daniel is better at me than basketball and he beats me when we play basketball, I'm not going to be able to blame these ethereal yeah. qualities on my loss. I'm going to have to accept at face value that Daniel's just a better basketball player than I am and mm-hmm. he won, but we both played really hard and we both tried our best. Yeah. And that's where I think this game really worked mm-hmm. in that final conflict was it spent 10 or 11 hours getting us to identify with the characters mm-hmm. so that in the final 30 minutes, we weren't sitting there going, oh, your gun's better than my gun. Oh, my controller sucks. Yeah. Oh, you know, that wasn't fair. That steam was in my face. Yeah. <laughs> it was, we're both really trying our best. Yeah. And whoever wins, wins. And that's it. Yeah. And uh, there, there's so little in the way, really, at the end of this game. <clears throat> You're pretty much, aside from like kind of wandering around and shooting at each other and like getting the health down a bit. After that, you're on rails. Like, <laughs> mm-hmm. there's there's not like, oh man, I should have had my my horizontal speed up chucked a couple times. It's literally like, mm-hmm. can you press a? <laughs> um, yeah, and and throughout the game, you're playing these little mini games against yeah. one another. Like you're playing horseshoes, or you're playing the banjo, and seeing who can hit more notes in succession. Yeah. You're doing all these little, like, friendly, competitive mini-games. And so you're kind of getting this feel for, like, who is just kind of innately better at this game? Or who is, like, pulling ahead? Right? So that by the time you're in this final conflict, you're not surprised by who you're facing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Right? Something like... uh, God, dare I even say this? League of Legends. <laughs> yeah. For example, is it like this toxic hellscape? In part, I think because you don't really get to know who your opponents are and what their skill level is. You just play against them. Yeah. And they're playing these characters that you you see a whole lot. And so if you if you see a thousand people playing I don't even know if any of these characters I know are relevant anymore, but say you see a thousand people playing Dr. Mundo. Yeah. You kind of inherently know what the normal distribution of the skill curve is. And so if you're hitting against people in the, the average standard deviation skill level of a Dr. Mundo player, it's not really surprising to you. But in those times where you're playing against somebody who's like a standard deviation or two better or worse, then suddenly like it starts to feel unjust in a way like, Oh, their guy's way better or my guy's way worse. Um, and because you have like 10 people playing this game all at the same time, it's very easy to start like blaming people like, Oh, you're trash. No, (laughs) you're trash. This sucks. But this game, like there was no surprise at the end that like oh my gosh this leo guy is insane he's so good yeah or like this vincent guy sucks he's awful it was just like we know who we're playing against yeah um and i think that the the important part of what you were saying about like uh uh uh, 
matching up with people online is that almost never will you ever get to play against that guy again, which is completely different from real life. If we were playing basketball together, Mm -hmm. it'd be us and our crew, you know, like our crew and our basketball crew. And right. And like we swap out (laughs) some people occasionally, but it'd be like a a fairly consistent set of people. And that's actually what I think happens with Mm -hmm. pro play in esports is Mm -hmm. you get uh, sure that there might be like generally larger pools of people, but it's still at least consistent. So you'll get to know how people are playing and you'll get to know what to expect and what you need to get better at. Like who are the standards? You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Um, yep. And so I think that a lot of matchmaking feels more like the League of Legends than like the Overwatch League in terms of predictability and in terms mm-hmm. of like tone that all the players take on. Um, mm. So I think it's I think it's really cool that this game, which I never expected to be PvP. <laughs> managed to do a better job at PvP, right. at least experience-wise, than yeah. League of Legends <laughs> in some ways. Yeah, but but on the flip side of that, look at what we had to invest yeah. to get 10 minutes of what felt like fair, good, competitive PvP. Yeah play against another person we had to spend 11 (laughs) hours yeah playing the same game together yeah before we were pitted against one another for us to like try our hardest and not take it personally yeah which is crazy i i think actually putting it in the context of physical sports makes it make sense so i i i'm not as i'm not like I think that like maybe the fact that it's a single player game is kind of crazy, but I don't, I'm not like weirded out by that necessarily. I think it, especially in the context of this particular game, it makes sense. Like you said, they were training us for this. Right. I guess it's not crazy in the sense that like it, it is nonsensical. It's just crazy to me that that is the level of investment. Okay. I see you should have in order to have that experience with a video game. Like it seems like you should just be able to be the kind of person that can hop into a video game and be a good sportsman yeah, and be all hunky dory and whatever. But that is absolutely not the case on average. And it's, it's interesting to me that this is what it took to get us to that place where we're playing against one another like that. Um, it would be a really interesting experiment, I think, kind of like you mentioned, where your real-life community doesn't change so rapidly yeah. versus your, like, esports, the people you're playing against in online matchmaking. It's always a different set of people almost all the time. Yeah. It, places where that's not the case, though, like top-tier competitive play or smaller games that have a very like a small player base that it's conceivable that you can know who the other players are at least within the confines of the game i think suffer from this problem a lot less yeah have you uh did i ever tell you about a game called tag pro 
I think you may have said something about it, but I never played it. Let me send you a uh, a link to their site. Shout out to Tag Pro people. Um, I am no good at this game, but I actually watched a lot of the pro play, um, mm-hmm. and I could kind of get a feel for how big the player base is. This is the kind of multiplayer game that I feel like is small enough to uh, to be able to see the same people, not over and over again, but enough to get a feel for who they are and how they play. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think is an interesting example of what multiplayer games can be. Hmm. It's uh for for I guess those who don't know just a quick rundown. It's a um top down capture the flag game where it's uh-huh. red versus blue and it's teams of four. Um if you've got the flag and you are touched aka tagged by an enemy player, then you pop and the tag or excuse me, the flag goes back to base and Everybody starts over. You you try to capture the flag. It's very fast in this way. And there's like little power-ups that change the game. But overall, it's basically tag the guy with the flag. Don't let them score. Mm-hmm. And it's small enough where <laughs> like in their quote pro league, they would name the, to the teams after their memeiest player. <laughs> like who oh, like gosh. who the who the uh um, <laughs> who was the the best known player on their team? Um, and they they could make a joke of it and everything. And generally, it seemed like there was a lot of empathy in this community, mm-hmm. which I think is mm-hmm. core to what your proposal is. In another way of saying it, it's I think it's it's tactically useful to know what your enemies play like, but I think it's also good for sportsmanship to know that they're people that you'll see again or even people that you're yeah. friends with. Right. And that's what is something that gets missed so often in modern multiplayer games alongside yeah. the, the, the tactics of knowing what your enemy is like. Yeah. Yeah. Because we also just had a personal like awareness of one another while playing it. Obviously, because we've known each other yeah. for, for so long and because we're sitting next to each other. But, like, we had seen each other play this game. And so not only did we know how the other person played, we know, we kind of knew who they were playing as, if that even makes sense to say. Like, what our character um, is. Yeah, yeah. And how they're like and what they do and what they don't do. And, um,. Yeah, to like piggyback off of your tag pro example, uh, my friend, our friend David, uh, and I went and played a game online a few months ago that we hadn't played in years called Stick Arena. Oh, wow. Yeah, and it's like a top down <clears throat> multiplayer battle arena where you're playing as stick figures and you like pick up guns and sledgehammers and you just duke it out on these little tiny maps um and it is by no means like the best game in the world but it's a lot of fun it's a good way to pass the time as a little browser game Mm -hmm. but the thing that stuck out to us the most was we hopped on there were like maybe 80 people online from around the entire world (laughs) and 
like the two of us just hop into a lobby together because like yeah we're gonna play some stick arena versus each other and we're just gonna shoot each other and have a good time and then people started joining and like people that we had never known before and they start playing against us and they're like miles better than this. <laughs> they're just creaming us to the point where like we can't even get mad it's just funny how good these guys are <laughs> and then they stop and they start like typing to us in the chat and they're like hey we haven't seen you guys online before oh wow they're like are you new to stick arena? Have you ever played this game before? Like we could t- like, we could show you how to play. We've got some like YouTube tutorials. If you want to learn more about it, oh, dude. Uh, we hope like, we hope you have fun with the game. Uh, noobs use this chat channel over here. Cause there's like an integrated chat lobby, like an IRC lobby yeah. for the game where you like match make and, and pick maps and stuff and talk to other people. Um, these guys were like, yeah, you know, we love to see new players come online. Uh, we do like community events every Thursdays at 8 p.m. Eastern time and blah, blah, blah. Anyway, you know, we're going to hop out of your game, but it's really cool to see new people and we hope to like see you back again as part of the community. And we were like both just so blown away by that this. is nuts. That is so cool. It was so cool, and it made me feel like like these are people who want to play just a game with each other, which is really, I think, a cool thing. And you're not going to get that in Call of Duty, like you you you're not. There's no community for Call right. of Duty, or even something as as community driven as Destiny. You can't realistically get involved with the whole game, <laughs> right? It's just little pockets. Yeah, which makes me wonder, like, would there be a viable way to do that for a larger multiplayer game? Like, could you imagine a Call of Duty where instead of going online and doing matchmaking and, like, being up against the entire world of players, like, what if you had just bubbles of 200 players? Yeah. That, like, these are the people that you can matchmake with and against. Maybe, like, you'd have to right-size the number, but... Pick a number that's big enough that most people are going to be online around the same time and small enough that most of them can get to know each other Oof. in that range. I think that would be a really interesting problem to solve. I think that forming those groups is the biggest challenge mm-hmm. um, because people have got to figure out which of which bubble out of the thousands of bubbles it would be to join. And I think that could be really interesting. Yeah. I think that we outsource that one. Uh, let our India sure. team handle it. Uh, we'll yeah, come back go to ahead, it. EA. <laughs> Take that idea and, and monetize it somehow. <laughs> Not just give us some loot coins. Not just somehow monetize it extremely. <laughs> yeah, you'll get a loot box that has one ticket to join the coolest bubble. Yeah, the res bubble. I feel like uh, back in Halo Two era, people did try to do that with clans, like when mm-hmm. custom games was a more friendly option for multiplayer games. Uh, and it was completely like community driven. It wasn't ever part of the game. Um, I, I don't know how close that gets to it, but it might be like partway there. 
You know what game I can think of actually that did something very close to this is uh, Battlefield. Battlefield, which one? Because uh, the ones that had like the custom server browser in it, like Battlefield. Oh 3 yeah, and 4. yeah. Because like you would have a clan that would set up their own custom server, and it would be like. All we do is CTF on Metro 24-7 like come in and play. And you would have these groups of people from this clan that all knew each other that would play on this server. And me and some of our friends who played would reliably go back to these same places and play with these same people because we knew, like, these are good people to play with. Yeah. Oh, that's interesting. I, uh, I wish you hadn't picked Metro as the example map. Ugh. That map's awesome. No, I'm kidding. I'm giving you a hard time, man. Don't worry about it. <clears throat> um, but that is kind of the one game yeah. I can think of. And it's also one of the games that, like, doesn't stand out in my mind as a very toxic multiplayer experience. Yeah. Yeah. Battlefield did a good job, or has always done a good job, of at least making it so that way, like, you don't feel like you have to be an esports player. <laughs> Yeah. You can be a medic, and that's that's good enough for the team, man. It's awesome. Um, and before all of our woke uh, listeners get back to me and say, like, well, it, this stuff exists. You just got to go onto the forums and, like, you can find a group for almost any game. I'm just one of the things that I don't know if I'm getting across is that I personally don't tend to do this because it's scary. Uh, <laughs> it's like, <laughs> it's same reason that I don't go to my game store and play like Dungeons and Dragons with randos. I get, I, it's hard for me to find or to like get myself to go find uh, groups of people to play with. So the next level would be to have a game that facilitates this a little bit, makes it more approachable for people like me who are kind of scared of finding that all on my own, you know? Um, I mean, scared or not of finding it on your own, I think it's just inconvenient in a lot of ways to try and work around a game whose systems do not facilitate this type of play. Yeah. Yeah. It'd be much better if they just did. Yeah. Um kind of like a game i don't know if you remember this game i hope you do that we played ages ago it's call of combat oh my god call of combat was dope but and this was like the first time i ever experienced this because i specifically remember like knowing all of the very high ranking players on the server we played on yeah and like trying to learn from them and like getting into games with these guys and talking about okay how did you just do that and like what is your strategy with this guy on this map? Or like, what, um, what buildings should I go to first in order to secure this yeah. so that way we can get to the right spots and everything? Exactly. There was a real feeling for me, like for the first time in any game with that game of I'm playing this in a community of people who just really love this game and like experimenting with it and are okay with friendly competition. Yeah. Whew. I... Whew. I haven't thought about that game in so long. That interface was so bad. It was so bad. It was uh, it was classic Java Swing, I think. Right? Uh-huh. Yeah. But they, like, tinged it all camo a bit to make you feel like you're there. Oh, man. 
it was like you had to control the game was you had to control a a platoon of four soldiers yeah and you had to like select using this menu interface which soldier you were controlling at any given time yeah. the game is playing out in real time yeah and so you have to physically press like i'm controlling soldier one now i'm gonna give him a move action i'm gonna click on this tile for him to move and i'm gonna make him go prone yeah as he's moving and then you have to switch to soldier two and input his orders and then uh-oh there's a guy that soldier one sees let me click on him and have him stand up and shoot dude and then lay back down Wonder why that game didn't catch on. Yeah, the, the interface was horrible, which I think lent some of the charm to how to, how to learn how to play it. Uh, yeah, but I digress. I'm I'm looking it up right now. Is it is this the game? Are there still people playing Call of Combat? It might be called a different thing now. I'm trying to click on it to see. My internet is so shite. I taking forever well i've got a, a link to the original gameplay of call of combat if you want to really take a, a trip down memory let's lane definitely let's definitely put this. that into the sh- Ooh. oh oh yeah yeah that's yeah uh, just looking at these graphics it's like i can taste the rank of major on my lips yet again <laughs> Is that, I want it. Is that how? Is that how high you got to? I can't even remember where I got to. I don't think I ever got that high. I think I maybe got to like captain. Yeah. Oh man. Oh well. We'll have to check this out and maybe link to it later on. Yeah. Um, I there's the sequel to the Call of Combat called Divided We Fall. Okay, that's the site I'm trying to load. That's not loading. Okay. So interesting it's like a higher res sequel it looks like divided we fall indeed (laughs) interesting oh wow oh that's last update may 11 that's some graphics man anyway yeah we've gone a, a long way down the garden path from a way out yeah um, but I think this game had something important to tell us about multiplayer, which I would never have guessed, never have guessed. Yeah. Um, the, the other things that kind of emerged out of that was our story that we ended up telling, um, how, how, much did you feel like you were watching a story versus living the story? Uh, I think that we got to make decisions that felt impactful a lot of the time. Mm -hmm. And so, so for that reason, I feel like I was pretty well integrated with what was going on. I didn't feel too much like an observer for most of it. Mm-hmm. Um, on a related note, how did you feel about playing Leo? Did you feel like you and Leo were compatible as, <laughs> as people? Uh, or do you think that you just kind of retroactively identify with him? Probably a lot more retroactive identification. However, mm-hmm. um, 
this is a two dudes talking and we've we've joked about in the past how in another two dudes talking podcast uh hello internet um most of the time i'm brady and you're gray which is canon uh-huh. that's a canon thing right whatever um i feel like elements of that could be traced back to uh leo and vincent's characters the straight man versus the the um rough and tumble outlaw guy basically a one-to-one mapping um what is with this characterization of me as the straight man all the time (laughs) uh i don't know you ain't laughing now probably the straight man if if i'm gonna put a name to it great see to save yourself there you go there's a little chuckle (laughs) No, no, I think what this is a case of is the instigator versus the instigated. Yeah, that's true. (laughs) (laughs) And that's what I think is what will make this game work for people, is that even though Vincent and Leo have strong characteristics, um, I think that enough of them, like their characters, are explored where you can can identify with... um, nuance at various points throughout the game you can you mm-hmm. can kind of pretend to be this person even if you wouldn't for example be a uh, uh, a lieutenant to a drug lord who's dealing diamonds and like if you couldn't picture yourself being like that roguish but mm-hmm. you could picture yourself being like a good father to a son that you don't always get to see like yeah. I think that there's enough of those things to work for a lot of people and at least the parts of Leo's character that I identified with was like some of his uh, uh, I think insecurities about um, his relationship and his place in the world mm-hmm. he didn't he didn't like pretend to be the drug lord or anything like that. He knew that he mm-hmm. was like, he was of of average ability, um, and that was okay with him, I guess. And so I felt like I could at least identify with some of that, um, in that like I can be pretty good at at certain points. I could put on a, I could put on a bulletproof vest and and get some shots through, and that's good for me, I guess. Mm-hmm. Obviously not a father, not a drug lord lieutenant, not an Italian, uh, none of those other things. Right. And you don't feel like Vincent's the straight man? Oh, no, Vincent totally is the straight man. (laughs) Um, Which, you know, obviously makes sense that I would play him because I've always got a plan and I always execute it perfectly. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Hey, man. Hey man, I think you are kind of a plan man. So, and I wonder if this is the experience that everybody playing this game has. Is like they see Vincent and Leo, yeah, and they look at it and go, <clears throat> "It makes way more sense to be Vincent." 
But I wish I was Leo. <laughs> oh, you wish you were Leo? Like, I identify more with those roguish characteristics of, like, mm. I want to be the rebel. I want to be the guy that, like, takes life on his own terms and, like, goes out and does whatever he wants to do. And, like, is a good dad as best as he can be, is a good husband as best as he can be, but also, like, knows who he is and knows what he wants out of the world. Yeah. Versus being, like, I'm going to be responsible. I'm going to be straight-laced. <laughs> I'm going to approach the thing properly. I'm going to get results. Yeah. For what it's worth, I wish I was way more like Vincent. <laughs> okay. So I think that there's... I think that you kind of just hinted at it a little bit. A lot of the time when you're playing a character, you can feel like you wish that um, you were either more like the character you're playing or we're more like a different character. And I, mm-hmm. I feel like this is another game where that can come out because you don't hate one more than the other. They're both very respectable characters that you come to understand. Sure. Well, respectable in like the, I mean, one of them is a crime Lord Lieutenant. Yeah. Respectable within the confines of the story. Yeah. 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 <clears throat> um, so, I admired Vincent's, like, um, resolve, I think, is probably the best way to say it. They're like, mm-hmm. his brother got murdered. He's going to take down the guy who did it. And not just because he wants revenge, he wants to kill him, but because it's the right thing to do. Mm-hmm. So I liked that. Yeah, I even before we started playing... I wanted to be Leo. Oh, man. I'm like, sorry. Like, in the very first cutscene when they were speaking, and yeah. you gave me the little brother controller. <laughs> so I thought, like, okay, he's player two. I get to be player two. This makes sense. <laughs> uh, but then we had to switch because we were sitting on the wrong side of the screen for that to work. Yeah. That, I think... Was- it wasn't, like, a big thing that I harbored the whole time, but it was, like, <laughs> in the back of my mind. Like, it, it would have made way more sense for me to be that guy. Hey, I wanted to be Vincent, so it's all good. So maybe that's the key to having a good time with this game, is play the person you think you're not like. <laughs> well, I think that's that's definitely a, a surefire way to have the empathy grow. Mm-hmm. Like, being real here. Yeah. Can't always play the, the, um, the internet troll cuck. Sometimes you gotta play the the feminazi, you know? I don't know if I need to censor any of those words. <laughs> Go ahead. We'll, we'll let time take its course. Hey, maybe um, maybe uh, maybe somebody will, will go onto the subreddit and go, nice. Nice. <laughs> Speaking of empathy. Yeah. What? Uh, this might be a bit of a delicate question to ask and answer in 2019 yeah what do you think the experience of women playing this game would have been that's an excellent question um i think it would have been a return to the norm for them uh okay what do you mean i think that a a lot of uh women who play video games at this point are used to playing as male characters because that's just who was always there. And, and Mm -hmm. so they would just go like, Oh, 
It's another one of those. Um, it wasn't something that I thought about while playing it, but I think it's a good point that I think there could have been ways to write this to have given an option to play as another gender. And I think it mm-hmm. could have worked. Um, the character motivations might have been a little bit different, but in the end, it was just like, get out of prison, get back to your family, save the day. Could have been changed around. I don't begrudge the game for not, though. It's fairly standard to just have the male characters, and that's that. I don't know. How did you feel about it? I don't know. It wasn't really something that occurred to me until like 20 minutes ago. Yeah. Um, And it's just kind of another game, yet another game with white male protagonists. Yeah. (laughs) And us being two white men, it might be easier for us to identify with the game than a lot of other people who could play the game and might look at it and go like, it's not really my kind of story. Or like, yeah, I get it, but it didn't really resonate with me as much. Um, Yeah. That's why I was wondering about it. Also because like a lot of stories seem to reflect these sorts of gender differences between men and women Mm -hmm. in that like this is a very stereotypically male story, right? The prison escape the heist, the robbery, the shootout in an exotic location with a drug lord, the betrayal. Yeah. Um, like, I don't know many stories that are, that follow that same structure that feature women as the protagonist. And on the flip side, like, I don't know many stories that are, super like heavily relationship centric that Mm -hmm. are focused on male protagonists in that way. Um, yeah. Something like mean girls. I don't think you could write that using a, a, a cast of dudes. Not to say that I think like a way out could only be men. I think like you're saying, there's lots of stuff that works for both genders. I just think it's really interesting how, games kind of reflect and not just games but movies and books and media in general kind of reflect um some of these things that sit a little under the surface in that way yeah i i will i will throw out there that i actually do feel as though um there is a little bit of relationship building that happens in this story Mm -hmm. and like relationship maintenance that's all central to the experience. Mm -hmm. Of course, it's all like in the setting of like, let's go raid this dude's villa in Mexico. Right. Come on, you with me, dude. But like, yeah, (laughs) there's while like flying, like, like you're, you're parachuting from the airplane and fortunate sons playing like, (laughs) (laughs) yeah. Um, but I think that there are like, seeds of another game that could have been made or even like 
things that could appeal more to, and I'm going to put quotes around this audience, the female audience. Mm-hmm. Um, cause I realized that, that it, it is still like a bit of a, a generalization to say that like women who consume media are looking for less like action and more like, so what's going on with you? Yeah. Um, <laughs> so right. I understand that. I think we both understand that. Um, it's a generalization, but yeah. generally it seems to be true. <laughs> yeah. Um, and even for people who, who are male, who, who are looking for that, I think that they still could get like an interesting, um, bonding experience that ultimately ends in tragedy, which I think is still like really core to how those stories are told. Mm-hmm. Um, so when I said earlier about it being yet another cis white male action trope filled seventies, uh, FBI busting down your door story. It's got some differences <laughs> that might appeal in my assessment, at least. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think that's right. Um, and like you're saying, you know, these seeds of a little bit more of the relationship building being planted, I think are a positive sign. Yeah. That, Looking at the tone of the ending of the game, if you imagine this game was made 15 years ago, yeah, it might have just been that, like, the primary emotion for the end of the game would have been anger, which yeah. I think would have fallen straight back in line with the cis white male. I don't, I can't repeat all those. <laughs> terms that you use to define some of the things that people dislike about media today. Um, but I think that this game tried really hard to make the emotion at the end one of empathy, which is, I think, a, a note of change yeah, in that landscape. Very, very significant change. Well, I guess for somebody who hasn't maybe played all the other games that led up to this game, but... sure. <laughs> <laughs> I just say that to say like we're going somewhere yeah. I think yeah we're working on it guys video games getting better don't worry about it don't but, demonetize us yeah I think the only way that you can really get to that point though is by having different types of people work on these things together yeah cause there's like a there's a trope of uh men who write females poorly yeah uh in books and things just like it ranges from all things to like not understanding uh female anatomy to like just straight up not being able to imagine what it's like to be a woman in certain situations and instead writing from a male standpoint in certain character moments um so I think like this game doesn't overstep any of those bounds, yeah. right? It doesn't try to be like ham-fisted and say like, we're, well, we got to be politically correct. And so we're going to make one of the characters a man and one a woman and blah, blah, blah. And then risk like skewering the female characterization in the process because it's a game made by white men. Yeah. Um, 
So I feel like the only way that you get around that is by having people who are not that stereotype of a person come together and collaborate yeah. in really important ways on these types of projects. Yeah. It's the it's the catch-22 that media has had forever and mm-hmm. continues to have is that how do you get people interested in making this thing without having things that interest them first? Right. So. Yeah. That's a, I mean, it's a thing like this is a show. This podcast is a show between two straight white men talking to each other. And yeah. About their probably feelings. a lot of the people that listen to it are culturally similar to us. Yeah. Um, so like, I don't, uh, I don't want to like bring this whole discussion up as a way to malign this game or malign us. I guess all I'm trying to say is like, this is a game that has a certain set of viewpoints Mm -hmm. and maybe easier to empathize with if you also share a lot of those same experiences. Okay. I see. Maybe this is an opportunity where we get to hear from the listeners. Hopefully. <gasps> if you're not a cis white male and you have something to... No, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you can also play this if you're a cis white male. We'd love to hear. but um, Yeah, not excluding anybody. Absolutely not. Uh, if If you got any feelings about playing this game, well, one, maybe you stopped before playing it uh, because you didn't want to get to the spoiler section first. So maybe you're not hearing this, but if you are hearing it and you got something to say, let us know. Yeah. We, we want to hear from all of you, all five of you, please nice. go to the Reddit, go to rescast.reddit.com. Drop us a nice in the <laughs> comment thread. And we'll be sure to upvote it. We'll be sure to give it a heart and give it a star and and send you well wishes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it feels like we're kind of hitting hitting the end of our feelings about this game here. Yeah, I think it's time to search for a way out of this episode. <sighs> and you know the way out of every one of these episodes. Out of seven... <laughs> I need your patented Daniel score. Not the Daniel score. Trademarked. Not trademarked. Copyright. There's no copyright involved here. Evaluation. I think this game. God, I got to give it a six. I was trying to rationalize giving it a five, but like with some of the things that. We didn't really talk about its its bad parts as much. Like there were like there was like some dialogue that didn't land and like some segments that weren't quite as polished, but ultimately it was a pretty smooth ride. And we mm-hmm. liked it a lot. I gotta give it a six. Yeah. I would honestly agree with your assessment. I think for me it's it's a light six. Yeah. It was the end was totally recontextualize the whole game yeah which is very rare yeah and and to do it in a way that feels good yeah is it is it safe to say that you were surprised by the end or yes and i think that 
for for people who don't necessarily know, I think that that's kind of rare with you. If I'm going to be honest, I think that you okay. personally like for things that are average, you'll pick up on what's mm-hmm. going on, and it doesn't usually like it doesn't usually escape you. And I think that that's what's unique about this game is that mm-hmm. they actually landed a surprise on you. Yeah, I don't know if you remember about 40 minutes before that scene when I made the joke that one of them was an undercover cop the whole time. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I remember us joking about it. So, but that was not something I was seriously considering. Yeah, yeah. So it did really still surprise me. Um, Yeah. But yeah, like, I only knew that the game, because I... purposefully did not uh look at very much about it yeah. since i knew i wanted to play it with you mm-hmm. uh, even like all the way back when it came out in may of 2018 oh, wow, nice um so all i knew was that it was like a prison escape game yeah and so when we escaped the prison and the game kept going i was like wait what <laughs> yeah i was like this is going swimmingly <laughs> yeah yeah i think when we got to the farm is where i knew Something was something mm. was was a brewing. Yeah. So six out of six from us both. Six out of seven. Duh, sorry. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, it's. Did you just invent a new rating scale? Absolutely not. Let's move on. <laughs> oh my god, the new and improved collection two. You busted it out before it's even ready. Hey guys. Guys, Thanks for listening to this podcast. <laughs> I'm going to take a break from listening to this f-ing weirdo <laughs> for a couple months. And maybe people will forget that he called it the Daniel scale <laughs> by the time mm, we get back. That chance. That chance. Oh, God. Thanks, everyone, for bearing with us for the last 13 episodes. It's been a swell first collection yeah it has been thank you daniel for making it possible Uh, making the magic happen it's not a problem man we got to we got to hit up a lot of cool stuff this this season collection (laughs) yeah yeah we did i'm looking forward to the next one okay well give a way out a try guys Thanks, Riley. I won't. Liter- I will literally not talk to you until we get back on this ep- on this show. So, see you then. That is makes perfect sense. <laughs> Let the armistice begin. So excited. <laughs> see you on the other side, right. everyone. <laughs>